Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Mrs. Conway Tells Us About American History. Chapter 8, Lesson 2. We're going to see the colonists begin to speak out against Parliament. If you remember in Lesson 1, the French and Indian War had an effect. We've been talking about cause and effect. The cause of the French and Indian War was over the land in the Ohio Valley. The effect the war brought was this debt that uh, Britain had and Parliament wanting to, uh, wanting the colonists to help um, pay that debt, if you will. So the first thing they did was they imposed a sugar tax. It was called the Sugar Act. And of course, um, the colonists were not overly thrilled about this because it meant that any good imported in um, from the uh, from England that involved sugar or molasses uh, would be taxed. So the colonists began to kind of speak out. And we see that they did so because right after the Sugar Act, there was another uh, tax law called the Stamp Act. And this required there to be like this seal put on things like newspapers, legal documents, all the way down to like playing cards. And so in order to purchase them, they had to have this special stamp on them. And that stamp said that you had to pay a tax on that particular item. Well, British leaders, of course, felt like, hey, this is fair. You know, we represented you in war. We sent soldiers. It was very expensive to fight for you. You need to help pay for that. But the colonists felt like, hey, you know, we don't have a problem helping you. However, you're not allowing us to be represented. We're not getting a say in this. And so what ended up happening is uh, the people started to, uh, they had this like famous little chant, if you will. And it was no taxation without representation. So if you can imagine back in the day, the colonists with their little signs, you know, chanting in the streets or at the courthouse, um, you know, no taxation without representation, um, because this is how they felt. In fact, in Virginia, Patrick Henry told other members of the House of Burgess that Parliament did not represent the colonists. And you can imagine Parliament's response. They were shocked that he would speak out this way against Parliament. And so they actually started shouting treason. They were going to accuse Patrick Henry of treason, saying he was guilty of working against his own government. Can you imagine? Now, in those days, treason was pretty much a death sentence. If you were found guilty of treason, um, you were sentenced to death. However, in October of 1765, representatives from nine different colonies met in New York City, and they started what was known as the Stamp Act Congress. Now remember, a Congress is like a formal meeting of representation. We have congressmen and congresswomen today and basically their job is to represent us, okay? These colonial leaders spoke out against this, they, this stamp act, encouraging people 
to even go out and repeat these words, no taxation without representation. Um, and so they tried to force Britain to take back the Stamp Act. You know, say you're not going to do it. They wrote letters. They decided to boycott or not buy British goods. And we discussed in class how boycotting is not an easy thing. There has to be enough people um, boycotting an, um, a product for it to hurt the manufacturing or to hurt that company. Soon after the Stamp Act was passed, we see these uh, secret societies or these little societies starting to pop up. And one of them was called the Sons of Liberty. And they worked um, basically against Parliament's desire to tax the colony. Again, it's not about the taxing, but about representation. They wanted, um, they wanted to have liberty, meaning they wanted the freedom to make their own laws. You have to remember that at this particular time, there's no state. We're not the United States of America, right? We are still under British rule. And the king is making all of these decisions. And the king is across the ocean. He's not there. And so they're wanting that, I don't want to say complete independence, because they're not at that point yet. But they do want to be able to have a say in their own laws. Well, the Sons in Liberty captured several British workers who tried to collect the tax. And um, they weren't really very nice to them. They would cover them with tar and dump feathers of them. They would also chase them out of town. So this was their way of making a statement to Parliament, to the king, that we don't want this tax here. Women also formed their own group, some women. They called themselves the Daughters of Liberty. They began to make their own cloth instead of buying it from Britain. So they're kind of boycotting Britain cloth and making their own. And it was so popular, people began to like it so much that they would actually set up little shops around the courthouse, sometimes even sitting on the courthouse steps to sell their cloth. By 1766, so many colonists opposed the Stamp Act that Parliament really didn't have a choice. They voted to repeal it. That means to take it back, okay? However, they also said, okay, we'll take back this Stamp Act, but we're going to pass what's called the Declaratory Act. Remember, declaratory, like a declarative sentence, comes from the root word declare, which means to speak, to say, to make a statement. And so the Declaratory Act said that Britain had the full power to make laws for the people of America. Basically, we paid for this colony. You know, we sent you here, the king did, he gave you the charters, those kind of things. So we have the right to make your laws. And this law, this Declaratory Act, really, really bothered and concerned many colonists. Well, the repeal of the Stamp Act showed that colonists could work together, but they needed a better way to share information. News going from one colony to the next was not immediate. There were no cell phones, no text messages, no emails. There really wasn't even 
writing letters in the way that we write letters today. Anything that had to be corresponded um, by written had to be put on a horse, you know, had to give given to a rider on a horse, and they had to travel. Um, it could take many days for people to find out about events in other colonies. To spread information a little more quickly, the colonists formed what was called the Committee of Correspondence. Now, members of these committees would write letters to one another, and in their letters, they would tell what was happening in their town and in their colony, and they were kind of like comparing notes, seeing what Britain was doing, what Parliament was doing in the colonies. Samuel Adams uh, organized the first committee of correspondence in Boston. He spoke out so many times against what he called imperial policies. And these imperial policies are laws and orders that were issued by the king and the parliament, and he just felt they, they weren't right. Um, colonists soon spoke out about the need for uh, there to be a committee of correspondence in every colony so that everybody could find out what was going on, what was parliament doing in your colony. Um, and so Virginia formed one, New York formed one, um, and members were then asked other colonies to start. And so eventually people um, in other colonies began to protest, which means to work against or go against British policies. So basically it was a way to kind of get information. Okay, what is Parliament doing in your colony? What is he doing in that colony? Is this right? Are you, will you represent it? It was kind of a way to see the bigger picture. In 1767, Parliament passed new laws called the Townshend Acts. These acts tax, or this particular tax, taxed imports such as glass, tea, paint, and paper that were brought into the colonies. The new laws also set up a new group, a new group, excuse me, of tax collectors. Once again, Colonists joined together in boycotting British goods. The Daughters of Liberty asked people to stop drinking British teas. That would be like asking me to stop drinking coffee. Merchants in Boston could, would not import goods, and some colonists would not even paint their houses because they didn't want to pay the tax on paint. The Townsend Act did not last very long. Sales of the British goods went down because nobody were buying them, and tax officers collected very little money. In 1770, Parliament repealed all of them. They took them back again, except for the tax on tea. However, many colonists still would not buy British tea. As the number of people taking part in protests grew, Parliament sent more soldiers to the colonies. By 1770, 9,000 British soldiers were in the colonies, and 4,000 of them were in the city of Boston alone. That's an awful lot. Well, having the British soldiers there, or these British tax collectors there, angered many colonists. They made fun of the soldiers because they wore this bright red, remember we discussed that before, uniforms, and they would call them lobsters or redcoats, and they would tease them and mock them. And some of the soldiers became so angry that they would destroy colonial property. So now you're getting this 
back and forth. Remember we talked about did not, did so, did not, did so. So one act is going to cause um, another act, which is going to cause another act. So we're going to see this back and forth, almost like a tennis match, if you will, between Britain and the colonists. So the colonists are making fun of them, teasing them, and uh, the British uh, soldiers and tax collectors are destroying their property. So this anger between the colonists and the British soldiers continued to grow, and fights would often break out. One particular fight occurred on March 5, 1770, when a large crowd of angry colonists gathered near several British soldiers. The colonists were shouting at them, yelling at them, throwing rocks and snowballs at them. Um, and when the crowd moved forward, they knocked down some of the soldiers and the soldiers opened fire. Now, depending on the version that you read, because again, you have to remember that history can sometimes be um, an eyewitness. You can have two different eyewitnesses, but they could see things kind of differently because they see them from their perspective. So at this time, they believe that the soldiers just opened fire. Some historians believe that it was an accident. One of the soldiers got knocked down, his gun went off. Whatever the case may be, uh, three colonists were killed on the spot and two others died later. So five colonists altogether um, died during what they called the Boston Massacre. Among the dead was an African-American sailor by the name of Crispus Attucks. And many people think that uh, this was the first person killed in the fight for their freedom. So it, it kind of was like the spark, the jumping point to the frustration level of the colonist. On page 308 in your textbook, you're going to see a, a, a drawing, if you will, or an engraving from Paul Revere. Yes, the Paul Revere. Who knew he was an artist, right? Um, and this engraving, if you look at this drawing in your book, and I hope that you'll take a moment to look at it, it seems a little one-sided. If you look at it, it kind of looks like the colonists are so innocent, they're just standing there, and the British just open fire for no reason whatsoever. So by illustrating this, uh, Paul Revere was kind of stirring the pot a little bit more, if you will. Um, he made this uh, drawing, this picture, and entitled it The Bloody Massacre. Okay? And so now things are getting incredibly heated between the colonists and uh, Britain. And we're going to see in the next lesson uh, just how the colonists are going to retaliate. This was a move on the British part, according to Paul Revere. So now we're going to see what they do. All right, stay tuned for lesson three. Have a good day.